Hey everyone, welcome to Road Trip to Bliss. I'm here with Hallie and Hallie is a doctor of physical therapy turned holistic health expert. So Hallie, thank you so much for joining me and we're just gonna get to know you a little better and find out how Hallie Stocks went from doctor of physical therapy to a health coach. Uh, tell us how that happened. How did you get started and your journey from there to here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for having me, Lisa. It's great to be here. Um, so uh, my journey, I guess, really started back when in high school when I was just interested in the body and I was interested in medicine and health and always just kind of intrigued by all of that. And then in college, I got my first degree in health science and thought about medicine as a career path, um, but then kind of decided that I wasn't really thrilled on the idea of as much schooling as it would take to become a doctor. And um, I wanted more interaction face-to-face -face and more time with my patients. And so physical therapy is the route I ended up choosing. Mm -hmm. um, so I went back to school and got my doctorate of physical therapy. And I've been doing PT for about nine years. But about two years ago, I started really getting frustrated with not being able to help so many of my clients with everything that they had going on because it was more than just elbow pain or back pain. There was so much more in their lives that was causing all of these issues, especially with more chronic conditions. And it just seemed like, you know, nutrition was such a foundational principle and sleep and people being stressed out with their careers and their families and just not being able to manage all of those parts of their lives. And so that's really what kind of drove me to pursue a career in coaching. Um, I would say one other catalyst was kind of just watching even the health of some of my family members and mm. the way that our modern, our modern medical system treated them and feeling like it kind of let them down. And especially in my, my job working in home care, physical therapy, I worked with a lot of older people who mm. time and time again, I was hearing the same story that these people felt like their lives had just collapsed underneath of them all of a sudden. And really a lot of them were dealing with chronic diseases that it, it hadn't happened overnight. They had been building for 20, 30, 40 years. You don't just have a heart attack. It, it's been building. And they didn't understand how they got there, how their life just so dramatically changed so quickly. Um, and so I think the, like those are all kind of like the catalysts for why I decided to get into coaching. And that's kind of where I'm at now. So did you notice that... Um age would play a, a factor in that or, you know, like certain, certain types of demographics or, you know, cause I do notice that too. Like I have a, a friend of mine that's going through that right now. He's not that old, but he's going through some really drastic health issues. Like it seemed like you said it happened very suddenly. And I know that's not the case, but it seemed like it literally happened overnight. Um, and I seen that with my own mom, my father too, um, who are deceased now, both of them, but you know, it seems like, like you said, all of a sudden this has happened. So where did you notice that happens with specific, like once you reach a certain point in your life or is it just random? Well, unfortunately I feel like most people think that like, once you hit the age of about 40, your life just sort of peaks and then tapers off and it's just a slow decline. And I am a strong believer that it doesn't have to be that way, but you have to make choices in your earlier life that change mm -hmm. the trajectory. And that's right. a huge part of my mission is to change that trajectory. Age is just a number. Like you don't have to be 
debilitated by the age of 40, 50, 60, 70. Like my goal is to be rock climbing when I'm still 90. And I have every <laughs> intention of doing that. And I want other people to be able to, to do the things that they love. And, you know, you might not want to rock climb when you're 90, but you probably want to pick up your grandkids or take a walk around the block or be able to load your own groceries into your car to still have that level of independence. And so those are the things that I really want people to start realizing that it doesn't happen all of a sudden. You have to be making those choices in your mm. 20s, 30s, and 40s to change that trajectory for the rest of your life. Right. And did you, so how did you transition like from that? Did you just quit doing <laughs> physical therapy or did you ease into it or how did that happen? Yeah. So I still do some PT because I still enjoy it. I still offer manual therapy services to clients that are local to me. Um, and I think that's super fun and it's a big part of what I do still, but the transition was gradual. I actually, the first coaching clients I picked up were PT clients. They yeah. were people that I said, Hey, I'm starting this new thing. How would you be, uh, would you be interested in checking it out? And people were excited and people made changes to their lives that were really transformational. So that was really cool to watch. Um, and then it's just progressed from there. And I have quit mostly my other jobs and I'm trying to move full time into this career path because A, it brings me a lot more fulfillment. And I really believe I'm able to help people with a greater part of their life than just my manual therapy, um, physical therapy skills. And with the coaching, did you notice that it really has so much to do with the mental? Oh, so much. Crazy, I mean, even right? it, even so much with nutrition, with exercise, with just with confidence. A lot of my work is around confidence and self-discipline, mm. self-respect. And that kind of stems from my, my personal journey, which we can get into a little bit later. Um, but the mindset is everything. It's, it's being, it's believing that you can make changes that are difficult. Um, and then being comfortable with being uncomfortable in those changes. Mm. That's true. That's very huge. And the, the reason I say that is I had a, a friend of mine whose husband was going through chemotherapy and, you know, he would go in for his, he would be okay that morning and he would go to the doctor and go get his treatment done. And they would tell him, oh, your XYZ levels dropped or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he would go home and with a totally, all of a sudden he would go from feeling okay to feeling horrible. Like just hearing those words that his, you know, blood level levels had gone down or whatever the case was. And it's like, I'll never forget that. Like how he mentally like just changed his whole attitude changed just by hearing those words. Nothing really yeah. happened. Right. Um, other people I know that are on medication, just the thought of not having it puts them in a panic, you know? So it really does have so much to do with with the mental state, the physical, you know, and I think more oh, yeah. we're becoming more aware of that, which is, which is awesome. But so tell me about your, um, your personal journey. I would like to hear more about, about that. Yeah. I relate so some, I relate to some of this. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, my, the depths of my personal journey stem back to kind of my late adolescence. I, I went through a severe case of anorexia um, in my late teens and in my early 20s. I was hospitalized twice. I spent probably in total a couple months in inpatient rehab. Um, I was severely depressed. I mean, essentially suicidal, which is kind of what anorexia is. You're just basically wasting away slowly to death. Um, I had no sense of self-worth. I had no self-confidence. I 
had no self-respect really. Um, I was always a very high achiever though. I was always top of the class with grades before I got super sick. I was a good athlete. Um, I couldn't perform athletics once my body had completely dissipated, but, um, so my work began, I guess, around the age of 18 with my first hospitalization, but all they really did in that first one was refeed me. So I came out a little bit refed, but none of my mental issues had really been resolved. So then I went off to college and I basically just kind of yo-yoed through college. I really didn't get much of a college experience. There's actually huge memory gaps. I don't even remember because I think my brain was just, well, first of all, I still managed like a 4.0 GPA. So my brain was hyper-focused on something, but I don't remember much else beyond that. Um, so that's kind of sad to look back at college that way. Uh, but then after I got out of college, I actually admitted myself to a rehab program and that program did tackle the mental aspect, but, and it refed me of course. And then I came out of that stepped down slowly through other programs. But then I would say I really still spent the last 10 years of my life doing personal work. <laughs> and I would say only in the past couple of years has that transformation really, truly come to a new place. Um, I've always, and this is again, coming back to mindset, I always told myself that I struggled with self-confidence. Mm -hmm. And because I told myself that every day, all day, I struggled with self-confidence. Right. And more recently, I started telling myself, why? Well, okay, because I maybe I haven't done these things that I want to be confident in. But the only way to become confident in those things is to have the courage to go do those things mm -hmm. and to start building the confidence. And then also realizing that my deeper level of self-confidence comes from my ability to know that I can hold handle my emotions. And I started realizing, well, what am I, what am I afraid of when I'm looking at this situation? Say it's being on a podcast or doing a hard rock climb or something like that. And it's, well, I'm, I'm afraid that I'll fail, that mm -hmm. I'll be embarrassed, that I'll be ashamed. Okay, well, I can handle that. So I just started tackling things. I just started jumping in and being like, well, whatever happens, it happens. Right. I can handle it. And it was amazing to watch the, the transformation of confidence in, in every aspect of my life. And so that's a huge part of now what working with clients is helping them to realize that if you don't feel confident, you, a, you have to build that confidence by stacking evidence to yourself that you are who you say you are. Um, which is a quote kind of from Alex Hermosi. Um, but also believing in your ability to handle your emotions, because ultimately that's the biggest thing on the end of any situation that you feel or that you face is dealing with your emotions in that situation. Yep, absolutely. I, um, I also dealt with anorexia, but for a very short time, um, I had obviously went through, it was, I, I want to say it was maybe like a year or so. Um, and I went to a therapist and they gave me some antidepressants and that was pretty much it. And, um, and then, you know, my, my family was on me so bad about, you know, how skinny I was and I had to eat and all that. So I went the, I went a, another, and I don't know how common this is, but I, I said, okay, I'm going to eat. Then I became bulimic and I struggled with that for I mean, decades, decades. And it's, it's to this day, I still have to, you know, control it. It's still a battle for me. Um, but I think it's, 
it's like you said, it's building that confidence and it's knowing that you can handle things no matter what happens. And do you recall like what, what caused your anorexia? Was it, how old were you? And did you have like a conscious, I remember actually reading an article about it and about it was, it was a thing back at that time. Right. And just reading that article gave me the idea, oh, I could lose weight by doing this, you know, and I'm sure that wasn't the intention of the article, but it was to spread awareness about it. But it was kind of a, it was a catalyst for me. Yeah. And I was probably I'm like, so sorry 14. you went through that. Thank you. You too. I, I was um probably 16 uh, when I first started dabbling with restrictive eating and it started because I don't like to blame anything on anyone. I like to take ownership, even though I didn't know oh, what yeah. I was doing at that point in my life. Um, I think fad diets were everywhere at that time. It seemed like, oh, yeah, that's true. it seemed like everyone was restricting something. And because I wanted to be the best at everything, I restricted everything because I wanted to be the best at every diet. Um, and I was never overweight. I was always really athletic, but the first couple of pounds that I lost made me just look really, really ripped. So I did get positive mm. feedback. Um, but ultimately I, I had weird games that I wanted to do more than everyone, eat less than everyone, get better grades than everyone, sleep less than everyone. I had to be Superman in every way, shape and form. And in order to feel like I had any kind of self-worth, because again, I had no sense of self-worth. Um, so there were some other relationships in my life that I think I couldn't handle properly at that time that were motivating triggers for what happened. But again, I'd never want to blame anyone because yeah. I, those were, those were my thoughts. Those were my feelings. Those were mine of my emotions. Just at that young age, I didn't know how to handle it. And unfortunately right. I chose a way that wasn't healthy. Right. And do you, um, do you think that's still a big thing? I mean, I haven't really looked into it, but is that still a big thing? A big issue eating disorders with people nowadays, probably more so. Absolutely. Maybe. Absolutely. And it's been a huge thing, especially in the climbing community, um, because climbing does tend to have a weight to strength ratio that can be a benefit. And you see a lot of climbers restricting food or trying to keep a low body weight for that reason. Mm. Ironically, I feel like climbing was the opposite for me. Climbing kind of actually brought me back out of my eating disorder because I started climbing when I was sick, but I fell in love with it. And I, I couldn't climb when I was sick and when I was in the hospital and I wanted to climb. So part of the reason I wanted to get better was to climb again. Um, so I actually feel like it was a motivating factor. And then mm. since then, I have continued to just focus on being stronger and being stronger. And in the past I don't know, three or four years, I've, I've put on a, a fair amount more weight in and I feel great about it. And I'm climbing stronger and I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. So the the strength to weight ratio of climbing, like I said, it has been it has come up, I think, in that community, unfortunately. But I think I'm one of those people who's just also trying to prove that it doesn't have to be that way. Um, I'm sending harder now than I was at a lighter weight. So. Right. And what do you find um, with your coaching? What do you focus on the most? Is it overall wellness that has a health benefit to it? 
or how would you explain a holistic health coach and what that means? Yeah. So I, I approach it from an aspect of personalized nutrition movement in some way that feels right to your body with an emphasis on longevity. So there are some principles that I think are important for people that want to, again, do those things in their seventies, eighties, and nineties, live that life. Um, and everyone's journey is different. So it is very personalized. Uh, but there's always some component of nutrition, some component of figuring out what exercise looks like to you in a healthy mm. way, and then what mental blocks are really holding you back. And some of that comes back to family history. Some of that is dealing with relationship stressors or career stressors. Um, so all of those things can kind of play into that mindset piece of it. And it's funny because you would think with all the modern conveniences that we have in technology to help us it seems we're busier than ever, right? Mm -hmm. And trying to juggle so much. How do you, how do you teach someone to, to balance all of that? Because I think that's, it, it is a balancing act. It has to be, like you said, the nutrition, it has to be the exercise. Like we're all trying to do it all. You know, how do you balance that? How do you teach people to balance that? I'm asking for myself too. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the interests, one of the things is, I like to come back to values and figuring out what is what is important to you, what are your priorities? And if you really focus on where your priority are, priorities are, how do you make time for those things? Mm. So if you value your health, how are you making time for that or not? And if not, where can we make time for it? What can you do differently? And again, that's going to be different for everyone. Um, I think almost everyone who goes through a program with me does some form of elimination. Mm. to kind of reset themselves and figure out what food is best for them. Um, like I have an example. So I had a client who she used to eat ice cream every night. Um, she didn't have any weight issues, but it was, that was her thing. She just ate ice cream every night and she woke up every morning, super anxious. And she would hit the snooze over and over again. And she wouldn't get out of bed. And she was suppressed and anxious. And she was like dealing with all of these things. And she committed to a whole 30. Then she cut out her ice cream for a whole 30 months or 30 days. And, but ice cream is her thing. She likes ice cream, right? So we, we reintroduced it. And she realized that the ice cream was making her anxious in the mornings because wow. she was going to bed with like a sugar high. And so she now, she's in this place where she still has ice cream every once in a while. But she knows that when she wakes up in the morning and she feels that way, we've also put into place a morning routine for her. So she has this morning routine that gets her going, that gets her off on the right foot. And, but it completely changed her, her day and her life by figuring out that she had this trigger from ice cream. So she'll eat ice cream out occasionally, or she'll maybe sometimes eat it at home now, but she, it's not an everyday thing and it's not controlling her life because before right. it kind of was. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And I and wonder how many, and you know, there's so much information out there on, because I have uh, hypothyroidism. And it wasn't until recently that I realized it's not just taking a thyroid pill and you're done. You know, it's all these other things. Um, it's all these other things, right? The food and all of that and different foods that can help. And it just kind of blew my mind that that's, that's available. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. the whole medical field is, you know, like you said, take a pill, kind of disappointing, you know, that you're not taught all these things. Um, what's your take on foods as far as what's 
you know, again, there's so much misinformation on, you know, this is good for you. This is you know, eggs are good for you. No, they're not. Yes, they are. You know, coffee's good. No, it's not. You know, it's like, yeah. do you have like a set um, plan for people that like definitely eliminate this or eliminate that or take this or take that? Or is it just the standard, you know, fish and veggies and fruits <laughs> you know what I mean like is yeah. there any new so, stuff to tell people about foods it's tricky so nutrition is the most probably complicated and non-definitive science there is out there and large largely because it's virtually impossible to do a randomized control chart study on anything in nutrition because you can't lock two large populations into confinement wards for 50 years and monitor them with every right. activity. There's too many confounding factors. There are, I think, a few foundational principles that are just universal for everyone. Right. The, right. the first one is that energy balance controls weight, but energy quality controls health. So calories in and calories out at the end of the day will determine your weight, but your weight is not 100% reflective of your health. So if you've ever heard this term skinny fat, there are people that are walking around very thin, but they also have no muscle and they can be just as out of control with their insulin and their blood sugar as someone who's overweight. There are yeah. some people who genetically have larger fat cells. Those people can actually hold fat better than people that don't have that. Um, ethnicity plays into it. If you are of uh, Middle Eastern or Mexican or I believe African-American descent, uh, especially Middle Eastern and Asian though, your body cannot actually hold weight as well. And your, your risk for diabetes goes up with a lower body fat increase than per se a white person. So genetics and ethnicity play into those things too. Um, so rule number one, energy balance actually does matter. Um, wow. but the quality of those calories matters when it comes to determining things like your blood sugar, whether or not you have elevated insulin. And those things are a huge factor in chronic disease. So in your risk for heart disease and COPD and all of those other chronic conditions. Right. And I mean, that's good information because like you said, you can't just blanket it, but I'm sure there's foundational, you know, rules that apply. I have heard of the skinny fat thing. And that was very mm -hmm. shocking to me because you would think, you know, yeah, no, I've worked with very <laughs> many thin diabetics. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All yeah. right. Um, so what, oh. is your, what is your other coaching um, tools that you use besides nutrition and, and uh, you know, overall wellness? What do you like to, to focus on? Um, so I think that everyone should embrace discipline as a form of self-respect. Um, I think that having a disciplined mindset really, truly is a form of self-care. Uh, when you discipline yourself to have a gym routine or to eat healthy foods, you're doing that because you care about your body, because you care about your life, because you want to do well for it. So if you struggle with self-discipline, then I think ultimately you're struggling to care for yourself. Um, so we do some work around that. We, I have different forms and handouts to help people put together lists, um, of the tasks that are the most important for them each day to accomplish whatever the goal is for that week. Um, I talk a lot about stacking wins. So stacking those little mm. wins each day, those things add up and those wins stack up to, to eventually win the day or win the week or win the month or right. win the year. And eventually you win your goals. So 
those little incremental changes all build upon one another. I think discipline is the hardest thing, <laughs> right? It's, it's like, it's not just, it's, and it's, it's, I know they say like you do something for some X number of days and it becomes <laughs> a habit, but is, you know, do you find that to be, I'm going to make you do this for 30 days and it tends to really work? <laughs> well, there, there is some truth to repeating a habit and making it a habit, but there's also things you can do to making the habit easier, making the bad habit more difficult, mm. um, setting up ways to, to come or to combine things that you want to do with things that you need to do. Um, so there's a lot of strategies to help implement the habits that you want. Uh, I think another interesting concept is from the book Atomic Habits, if you're familiar with that all from James mm -hmm. Clear. He talks about identity-based habits. And so part of changing your habits is changing your identity. So if you identify as a lazy person who watches TV after work, then that's what you do because that's who you are. But if you start identifying as someone that goes to the gym after work, and that's how you de-stress, then you start going to the gym. And it, it, it's interesting because once you start doing those other, those new habits and you start identifying with them, when you miss that habit, something, you feel like something's missing. Right. So for me, I, I am, I am an active person. I really enjoy my workouts. I enjoy being active. And if I go on a week long trip where I don't get a workout in, I'm actually <laughs> craving the workout. Right. Right. So, it's just because that's how I identify. That's that's who I am. So if you want to be someone else, start telling yourself that you're that person and then go stack the evidence that you're that person. And it's funny because we do those things and they do feel good and you feel good, but then you don't stick to them. Isn't that the hardest part? Like, yeah, you know, well, I, I know just... it feels good when I do this or I don't eat yeah. that donut. I know I feel better, but why do we struggle? Why do we struggle to to do that? Yeah, well, I think part of it is because sometimes the good habit has delayed gratification and the bad habit has yeah. instant gratification. Oh, and so you have good. to be willing to de delay the gratification to get the long-term result that you're wanting versus getting the short-term gratification, but sacrificing your ultimate long-term goal. Right. So you eat the donut today, you're not going to be any heavier tomorrow. You're going to be the exact same person. But if you eat the donut every day, it's probably not right. that great for your health. It's the same thing with the gym, though. You go to the gym one day and it kind of sucks. You're, you might be a little sweaty and it's really hard because it's your first time. And the next day you don't look any different. You're not, you don't <laughs> six pack abs, you're not ripped. But if you go to the gym every day and you stack that habit week after week, month after month, you become that person that you want to be, that person that you say that you are. That's true. That is true. My daughter does that. She's like, I feel so good when I go to the gym and I, and she gets like that. She was running for a, a while there. And she said when I, when she didn't run, she would feel upset, you know, would just, she would want to, she would want, she would crave it, crave it. Yeah. So that's awesome. What do you think about um, running? How did you get started with that or climbing? Sorry. How did you get uh, started with that? Um, I started, I first, a friend took me to the beach to get on a rock climb when I was 18. That was the first time I ever went. I don't even know if I had shoes. They put a harness on me. They put me on a top <laughs> rope and I climbed a rock and I was like, this is cool. Um, then I went away to school to, in my freshman year of college, I saw a flyer for an indoor rock climbing event and I showed up and I was the only person who showed up, me and the three guides. <laughs> and so I got to know them and I, I kind of just fell in love. I loved the movement. I loved the connection of my body with the wall. 
And then as time went on, I, I, it's taken me to so many amazing places. It's take, it's, I've met so many amazing people. And then ultimately the connection that I get from pushing my body to do something that's really challenging. It pushes me mentally and physically in so mm. many ways. And I, I just love that connection. Um, this year in particular, I really started pushing myself to take on some much more difficult climbs than I've done in a while. And it's been such a rewarding process mentally and physically to watch how my body has improved and has changed and has gotten better at doing these hard movements and just my mental game. I used to have this weird mental approach where I would look at a hard climb and I often wouldn't even get on it because of this confidence issue. I didn't think I was worthy enough to get on a hard climb. Um, I was afraid of failing for sure. I was afraid of being embarrassed that I would get on something that was just over my head. Uh, and then eventually I just kind of threw that out the window and said, well, guess what? If I don't get on the climb, I'm for sure going to fail. Right. And <laughs> if I, I, and at this point, like I'm, as long as I keep trying, I have not failed. I'm just not there yet. So that's kind of my new mentality is that if I want to try something, I'm going to try it. And I'm not failed until I give up. And so, how, how often do you get to do this? I climb a lot. Do you? <laughs> yeah. And especially living in Colorado. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Do you, um, what's the most exotic place you've been to climb? Um, I have climbed in Spain and in France. My husband and I are also going to Greece this year. Um, I've climbed many, many, many States, many areas all over the country. What's your favorite? Uh, my favorite place ever thus far is probably Rodear in Spain. Mm, nice, nice. Yeah. So what are your plans in the next five years to do with your my next your business? <laughs> um, my next five years, I definitely want to completely commit full time to that to my coaching career. And I just want to help as many people as I can. Uh, it, it really has just broken my heart to see like we talked about earlier to see the people suffering from this transition to thinking that they were okay and to just watching their independence slip away being sick dealing with medications oh yeah giving up on giving up on all the things that bring them joy and it makes me really really sad mm. um so i just yeah i want to be able to reach out and touch as many people's lives as i can helping them to take ownership over their own lives helping them to understand better how nutrition plays a role, uh, helping them to fall in love with movement the way that I have in some way, shape or form um, and helping to build more confident, more powerful, more courageous humans. It's funny you mentioned movement because I was um, doing an interview with someone the other day and she said that was her, her mindset change of exercise was just such a horrible word to her and she changed it to movement. And then yeah. it had a whole new connotation to it <laughs> yeah. just by changing the words. So you're the second person that I've heard this movement. Well, that's even, and that's that's even, even with climbing. Like, I don't think about climbing as a workout. It's just what right. I do. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Do you get to um, to go with your husband? Does he climb? He with does. You? He's taken a little bit of a break the past couple of years to pursue some other interests, but he still climbs. Yeah. So how can we help you get your, your, your name out there? <laughs> um, you mean, like do, you how, have an, I... do you have an ideal client, I guess? Oh, yeah. Name? My ideal client, I think is kind of the 30 somethings. Um, 
someone who is maybe already moving a little bit, but maybe they're inconsistent. Um, they're not sure what to eat, how to eat. They, maybe they have weight to lose. Maybe they just want to maybe are recomposition their body a bit. So at least add muscle, get stronger, feel more confident at the gym, feel more confident in their careers and their relationships, people that are stressed out, um, people that are confused with diet dogma that are tired of trying one diet after another to lose weight and only gain it back. Um, people that are lacking clarity in their, their goals and they want help kind of figuring out what they want and then how to take actionable steps to reach those goals. Um, people who may be different dealing with low energy, with cravings, again, with fleeting mm. motivation, struggling with, uh, being consistent in the habits that they want to be consistent with struggling to really link that who I am with who I want to be. Right. Right. And do you find that, um, when the, when the physical happens, the career, they're, they're happier with their career. Like it all kind of goes together, right? It absolutely does. And I think even my own life is a perfect example of that. When I was working split time between the clinic and the home care, I came home most days drained and sad and mm -hmm. depressed. And my husband would hear me tell these stories day after day about just seeing these sick people and not feeling like I was actually helping them in a way that I wanted to be helping them. And I get done with a day of coaching and I've got a smile on my face and I'm super excited wow. and I'm just, I'm just a totally different person. So again, like living in alignment with my values, if you are working in alignment with your values, I think it just brings so much more joy. And I know some people may not have that opportunity, but if you do, if there's anything you can do to change what you're doing with, I mean, think about how many hours a day you spend working. If you hate that position, how is that just a drag on your life? Yeah. And it doesn't have to be big changes or all at once, no. right? You know, it's just like no, you said, the stacking of the wins. Yeah. You know, I love that. Yeah. And the even sometimes, sometimes it's a mindset too. If, if you truly cannot change the position in, that you're at with your work or with your career right now, how can you change your mindset about being there? Right. Is there, is there something you can do to feel like you're giving back to something or helping to something? You're part of a bigger plan. You're part of, part of something that you're proud of or that you, that you value. So that you're not going to work with this mentality of, I hate being here. Because if you go to work every day with the mentality of, I hate being here, you're going to hate being there. Right. That's just what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Do you plan on traveling anytime yeah, that's a huge, soon? <laughs> yeah, it's a huge part of, um, of wanting to coach in an online format is because my husband and I do travel a lot. And I want to still be able to help people and work with people from wherever I happen to be. So we will be in Greece for about a month in the end of, or middle of September. And then we will be in the Red River Gorge in Kentucky for basically the rest of the year uh, after that. So when that's just a Mecca of rock climbing um, that mm. most people that don't rock climb think Kentucky rock climbing, but it's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's actually just a spectacular location for a specific style of climbing that it offers. Okay. Wow. Do you, do you do mostly in person then um, coaching now? Or do you do any online? No, it's all online. Yeah. Oh, it's all online. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that's, that's, I guess the way it is now is, you know, and it's a beautiful thing because we are able to, since the pandemic, you know, that was probably not even a, a thought to most people. Right. But now it's just, 
it is what it is, right? But it's also so great because you do get to, you could talk to anybody in the world or have clients anywhere, right? And be able to help them. And how long are your, like, how long do you normally work with a specific client? I know it probably varies, but do you have like a set, what works best? Like this is a timeframe that works best for most people. Yeah. For most people, I do recommend a six month program. Um, Mm. I actually even had one client who thanked me for requiring a six month commitment because she said after three months, she wasn't sure. And after six months, she would have paid three times as much for what, for the changes, the changes that she made. So she was actually really grateful for the commitment because it just, it takes time to make significant changes. They just don't happen overnight. You know, we're not trying to do the quick fix. We're trying to actually build new habits, change identity, change belief systems. So those things take time. Right. And do you have a set amount of, um, like you start with a specific thing first, the nutrition or, you know, that what goes first? What do you usually tackle first with your clients? Yeah, we, we generally do tackle nutrition first, at least to some degree. Um, and that sometimes comes simultaneously with some other pieces that want to be worked on. But I think that our nutrition is such a huge part of even how our brain works, that it's really hard to reset the brain if you're feeding it junk food. And this is actually something that comes back to one of my biggest frustrations with eating disorder recovery. When I think back to the journey that I went through, and you think anorexia is the most deadly mental disorder that exists. And it is a mental disorder. Your brain is not functioning well. (laughs) And they try to refeed us on junk food. And I I thought back a lot about it once I learned so much more about nutrition. And once I went through my own later recovery where I cut out all the crap food and I really kind of started to clean up my diet. And I think it's a huge factor in controlling your brain. And even coming back to the Mm -hmm. ice cream story, like that was causing brain anxiety. So if you're eating high sugar junk food all day, every day, and expecting your anxiety and depression to go away, you're fighting against yourself. Yeah. yeah. So uh, while the mindset piece is huge, it's off, it's can be difficult to actually tackle the mindset if you're not fueling your mind with healthy food. And again, healthy has a little bit of variation to different people and everyone's going to have some nuance in what what diet works best for them but that's part of what we do is we figure out what diet's going to work best for you and i think almost anybody would agree that twinkies and ice cream is probably not the best (laughs) diet for anyone does it matter does it mean you can never have a bowl of ice cream absolutely not i like ice cream and i eat ice cream occasionally but it's not something i eat every day Right. It's coming back to those foundational principles of what is going to make my body feel good and look good and perform well. Those are our foundations. Awesome. Awesome. I, I do find that, you know, again, it goes back to the, the short term gratification. I think that's excellent way of, of looking at it. I never really looked at it myself that way. Yeah. It feels good at the moment, but you know, long-term this is, this is not going to help me. Right. Um, and when you went through your anorexia recovery, what was, I know you said when you went the second time that they actually attacked the, the mental process, right. Of it. How did that, how did that change for you and how, what, what did that recovery look like for you? I think they, they did a lot more with CBT. So like cognitive behavioral therapy skills, Um, And then in my later years, I've realized that I think I was utilizing a lot of DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy skills, without even really understanding or knowing that that was a thing. 
but it, it has to do more with like, like accepting who I am in this moment, but at the same time, realizing that I'm always working to improve myself as well. Um, mm. And so I don't remember exactly what you asked now, but <laughs> um, how did that, how did that, how did that look like for you? What did that look like? The whole, the compared to the first time where it was just, yeah, not as so really second- approached properly. Right. Yeah, the second time it helped learn skills to manage emotions and learn skills to look at things differently. So catastrophizing, which is a common mm-hmm. concept, is where, where we something happens and in your own brain, you create this story of what just happened and what it means and what that person's thinking when they said that. And oh, wow, you, you, yeah. cre- you can create this whole situation that may or may not even be in reality anything at all. Um, so it's learning to kind of identify those and to step back and to really be like, is this actually what's really happening? Could I ask this person if that's what they meant when they said that, you know, being able to oh. have those dif- difficult conversations and um, being able to step back from something and pull out emotion from that because they're often right. not identically or they're not exactly the same thing. That is so, um, so learning those kinds of skills for sure. And then I think over time, I've just put a lot of personal growth work into refining those things and figuring out what's going to work for me. And, you know, I think I am still an emotional person. So learning how to handle that, those emotions in a, in a different way. Because the truth is when, when you're, when you're severely anorexic, you can't, you don't feel anything. You're numb to the world. Um, when your brain is that starved and then that was the goal. I didn't want to feel anything. I didn't want Mm. to feel any pain or any hurt, I didn't want to exist. I wanted to just disappear. Um, and so when you refeed and you start to feel all those emotions again, you have to know how to deal with them. And so that's what a lot of the work was later in my life. And and you said recent, it's only recently that it all kind of starts to come together, right? It's crazy. Yeah, it really did. And, you know, it's even being like, okay with fear. Fear is a natural emotion, but it's realizing that you can handle that fear and you have courage to step into that fear and to handle the emotion on the other side of that versus in the past I was just so scared I wouldn't step forward at all I would right. just power it away it's fear is paralyzed it can be par. I mean literally paralyzing where you just don't even like you said make a move because you're terrified you know which is but awful. ultimately it's, awful it's what are you afraid of though yeah, that's the hard question. You're afraid of the outcome <laughs> on the other side. And typically the outcome on the other side is an emotion. Mm. Unless you're unless you're literally talking about I'm afraid of wrestling a lion. Okay, well that's right. a fear. I'm not I'm not gonna <laughs> encourage you to go tackle the lion. But are you afraid of asking for a raise? Are you afraid of asking someone right. else? Are you afraid of whatever that case is? What you're afraid of is the response. You're afraid of rejection. You're afraid oh, of yeah. you're afraid of shame. You're afraid of embarrassment. Those are emotions. So what you're actually afraid of is your ability to handle those emotions. And when you're wow. confident in yourself, you believe in your ability to handle those emotions. That is because so those emotions true. <laughs> those emotions don't determine your worth. That is so true. I never looked at it like that, but that is yeah, it's it's the fear of the emotion, what's going to happen after, and you're not going to handle it well. I never thought of that. Never thought of it. That yeah, way. that's what changed my life, <laughs> is realizing that. That's crazy. <laughs> wow. 
aha moment here. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because you just, it's like you said, you have these emotions of fear and you're like, what am I afraid of? And that's such a hard question to answer. You know, you're like, well, why am I afraid of speaking or, or doing this or, you know, getting rejected? But it is, it's the fear of the rejection and the embarrassment and all of that, which is, Mm -hmm. which is so real, right? It is. But again, those things too are caring what other people think. And that's just something that's, you have to stop doing. Life is way too true. short to be caught up in thinking that it matters. Right. Right. That's, you know, that's even really like starting. Me. <laughs> oh, it's really hard. for it's, <laughs> It is hard. It's not, it's not that it's going to be easy every time, but it's believing that you can do it. Right. And that's like you said, where the confidence comes in because once you've, mm-hmm. you know, you've achieved it able to master it or you know whatever then that's where the confidence really comes in yeah it's been you know climbing has paralleled this for me in a lot of ways recently where I've tried like I was saying earlier I've tried kind of a harder a harder route for me and the first time I got on it was definitely a little anxious I was like (laughs) I don't even know if I can do all the moves I don't know what it's gonna feel like and I, I didn't I couldn't do all the moves the first time but then I go back and I little by little unlocked every move, unlocked every sequence. And it's still a route that I'm working on. But my confidence in that route is building as I stack the wins and prove to myself that I could do it. Right. But it took courage to start that process, right? It's it was the same thing with starting a business with starting a company. I don't know what I'm doing. I've never owned a company. (laughs) Right. you You have to start somewhere. You have to be okay with reaching out to people who reject you. You have to be okay with asking people if they want to work with you and they say no, but you know what, if you don't ask them, you don't have any clients either. So all of those Mm. things are steps in the process and just realizing that, I mean, the worst that can happen is just you handling an emotion that is maybe uncomfortable and I can, I can handle that. Right. And hopefully for a few minutes only, It's a, it's what we perceive that's usually the worst. Like you said, you know, you have an argument with someone or whatever, and you're like, you know, made this whole big thing. And half the time you find out it's totally not based on truth at all. It's, Absolutely. It's yeah. Humongous story you made up in your head. Right. But yeah. um, and that's when we really want to step back and ask someone like, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? I, this is how I feel. Is that actually what happened? And when I've done that, I forced myself to do that recently, actually, I had a situation where I was like, woke up at four in the morning, panicked, like anxiety about a situation uh, with a family member. And I was like, did not want to face that person. I did not want to ask the hard question, but I did because I couldn't sleep. (laughs) And I said, "I, I have to, you know, I have to address this. And I did. And it it went fine. It was not right. anything what I thought it was. I thought yeah. I played for hours. I was like, oh, they're going to say this. And then what about what am I going to say back? And, you know, this whole thing went on. And then I I, I addressed it and it was like, no big deal. <laughs> I was like, I can't yeah. believe I wasted eight hours of my life stressing about this, you know? Yeah. And you sacrificed your sleep, which impacts your health. <laughs> so you sacrificed all of these things. For this situation that you thought might possibly exist. And then it didn't even exist. And we do this all the time in our lives. At all. At all. So what is your definition of bliss? My definition of bliss. 
is living in alignment with your values because that's ultimately what's going to bring you the most joy in your life. And no one can define your values for you. And no one's values are necessarily going to be the same. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not a right or wrong. If you look at a list of values, they're all good things. But identifying the ones that are the most important to you helps you live your life in a way that's going to be the most rewarding to you. It's going to bring you the most joy. It's going to bring you the most satisfaction. It's going to bring you the most value. So living in alignment with your values. I love that. So I'm going to obviously put in the description how people can get a hold of you and where, what's the best way to get a hold of you though and find out more Um, about you. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at Hallie primal link coach underscores between each of the words. Um, I'm Hallie stocks on Facebook and my website is primallinkcoach.com. Well, it was been a pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate you being here and I wish you much, much success in your new endeavors. And hopefully we'll have you back on the show soon and go over some some more climbing stories. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's been fun. All right. Have a great, great evening, great day, whatever it is for you guys out there. Thank you so much for watching and we'll talk to you soon. Until next time.